if you wonder why we don't clap, that is the worldly response. And children, you can be dismissed to the children's church at this time. And uh, the title of this morning's message is one you may have actually heard before. Amen. And uh, what we're going to do over the next uh, several Sundays, and if you could turn the monitor down, this is ringing just a little bit up here. Um, Our 20th anniversary, I looked at the calendar, we've been talking about this for quite a while. I've actually uh, first spoke to Brother Clayton and Brother Marshall about this uh, more than two years ago, trying to get this thing planned and, and all of this. It's five weeks away. There's five Sundays between now and our 20th anniversary. And uh, so this year has been a little nostalgic, just thinking of things and going over the history and, and uh, uh, what I'm planning on doing the next several Sunday mornings is just reviewing uh, some of the sermons that have been preached in the past that uh, have been a little more memorable uh, maybe only to me, we'll find out. Uh, I actually was going through my records. Uh, this will be the seventh time in 20 years I've preached this sermon. Uh, the first time was in 1995. And the last time that I have record of was in 2007. And so some of you may have never heard this message before. But it's about just one single word in the Bible, the word, Amen. And you'll hear it a lot. In fact, one of the strangest things since moving to New York City is I have heard secular people who know nothing about God, who care nothing about the Bible, use the word amen. And it bothers me. In fact, the real estate office where we rented our first apartment in 1992 was called Amen Realty. And it was spelled A-A-M-E-N so that it would be listed first uh, in the yellow pages and found out that it was a, uh, uh, I don't know how you do this, but a semi-defrocked, oh, now I'm going to forget the people group, uh, but somewhere in the Middle Eastern Orthodox Church, uh, he was a real strange guy. And... uh, but he called it Amen Realty. I, I want to challenge you, don't do that. Uh, that's not a good name for your business. It's a Bible word. In fact, it's one of only two words that are the same in every language. Now, you might go Amen or Amen or Amen or, I mean, there's lots of different ways to pronounce it. Pronounce it. But amen and hallelujah are two words, the only two words I know of, that are the same in every language. And it is interesting that those two words that are the same in every language refer to God. Now, if you look up the word amen in a dictionary, it'll just simply say, so be it. In fact, many of your new translations, instead of putting the word amen in there as should be in your text. They just give the definition of the word rather than use the word so that they can, I I, I can't give you all the reasons, but 
there just seems to be a penchant on the part of many of the translators of these new versions to remove titles of deity and things that have long since been a stay, something that people would recognize as being attached to God. And uh, we, are, we are going to just chase this through. Uh, according to one program I have, there are 73 instances of the word amen in your King James Bible. Um, another one counted up, uh, what was it, 83 minus 6 would be 77. I don't know where the other three verses came from. But where we're going to start is in Deuteronomy chapter 27. And I'm just going to uh, allude to another passage. The first instance, the first mention of the word amen. In fact, in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, and Deuteronomy, this is the exclusive use of the word amen. And that is... To agree with God about judging sin. Now, what we're doing when we agree with God about our sin is we're actually agreeing with God about His holiness and the fact that we don't measure up to that. You better be careful how you use the word amen. It is a powerful word. It is a uh, special word that God has used. Numbers chapter 5. We're not going to take time to read the whole chapter today and go through that. We're going to primarily Deuteronomy chapter uh, 27 here. But if... A man married a woman and he began to get jealous or he had some idea that she had been unfaithful. God put a process in the Old Testament law, in the ceremonies, by which she could be either vindicated or condemned of a hidden, unprovable sin. And I I want to challenge you today that the number one hindrance to our serving God is not politicians. It is not the nightclub people. It's not the abortion rights people or the gay rights people, the sodomites, or any of these other groups in here. It's not the atheist. The greatest hindrance to our serving God is when God's people refuse to judge themselves for their sin. And that's the first use of the word amen. As part of this process, she was to pronounce a curse again the woman was to pronounce a curse against herself if she had sinned. And she was to confirm that curse by saying, Amen, Amen. Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 27. Look down in verse 15, if you would. It says, well, let's read verse 14 to put it in context. And the Levites shall speak unto all the men of Israel with a loud voice. Verse 15, Cursed be the man that maketh any graven or molted image an abomination unto the Lord. The work 
of the hands of the craftsmen and putteth it in a secret place, and all the people shall answer and say what? Now, how many of you can read? Let's try that again. All right. Uh, Cursed be the man that maketh a molten, maketh any graven or molten image, an abomination unto the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsmen, and putteth it in a secret place, and all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Hey, you do read. Amen. Good. Now, we're going to practice because the word Amen is a word that's supposed to be used. Again, we see the same thing here as in Numbers chapter 5. A secret sin to be judged by God. Now, I'll tell you one thing. I am glad God forgives sins. How many would say amen to that? And I am so glad that I don't have to go into somebody's office and tell them everything that I've ever done wrong... I'm glad to tell you today that if you're going to get rid of your sin, all you have to do is get on your knees in prayer. You don't even have to get on your knees. You just get in prayer before God and you confess to God that sin and He forgives you. Amen? But the simple truth is, how many of us let things go unchecked in our lives that nobody knows about except us and God. God is saying, listen, that will hinder not only your personal relationship with God. If we study it through the New Testament, it will hinder the work of our church. It will hinder everything that you do and everyone you come into contact with. That's what the Lord's Supper is all about. Is a time to investigate your personal life and deal with sin on a personal level between you and God. You want your sins under the blood of Jesus. Take them to Jesus. Amen. This is how the word amen is used. And if we were to read down through this chapter, every verse... Uh, down to verse 26, and we'll just summarize it there by reading verse 26. Cursed be he that conformeth not all, that confirmeth not all the words of the law to do them, and all the people shall say, let's do it again. Now, this was part of the practice of the law. The Levites were to read these things. The people were to be reminded of them. And they were to say, Amen. And by saying, Amen, so be it, of a surety, they're saying, I want God to judge sin. I want God to judge sin that cannot be known about or proved. I want God to judge open sin. I want God to judge anyone who, in the nation of Israel, that's the context here, who lives among us and refuses to be obedient to the law of God. Now, they tell us 
if you're going to preach a good sermon that everybody enjoys, be positive. Well, I'm being positive. God judges sin. He really does. And the Bible tells us if we would judge that sin in our own lives and bring it to God, He will forgive us for it. But if we hold it in and try to cover it up and pretend it doesn't exist, you will bring God's judgment in your life and in those you have contact with. We need to understand something about God. He is holy. We are not. That's why you need to get saved. Amen. That's why we need to go to Him on a daily, hour-by-hour basis and confess our sins because He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. You say, well, what happens if, if I don't remember something and I don't confess it? If you're saved, how many sins did Jesus save you from? All of them. The best illustration I can give you is that of a little child. My dad would go home, go to work, and I remember in the summertime we had chores to do, and he'd say, Pete, I'm Peter, I'm tired of this basement. I want it cleaned up. When I come in from work, it better be clean. Well, let me tell you how it worked. If I was a good boy and cleaned that basement, where was I when my dad came home? Right there at the basement door where he was coming in. And you know what? We had good fellowship. If the basement hadn't been cleaned, if I had distracted myself and done other things and disobeyed my father, where was I when he came walking through the basement door? As far away as I could get. I knew he was going to catch me. I knew it was coming. But I wanted to put it off as long as I could. Now, am I the only one that's ever done that? Now, listen. (coughs) Excuse me. I never stopped being my father's son. But it sure was a lot more enjoyable the first way than it was the second. Amen. You see, God judges sin for one purpose. It hurts us, not him. God wants what's best for us, and that is to take care of sin. And if you want to use this word, amen, properly, start by asking God and opening his word. Listen, if you're not saved today, if you do not have that personal living relationship with the living Lord, You need to start there. Then the word amen can be a blessing to you. Probably the most used application of the word amen, let's turn to Revelation chapter 5, is in extolling God and His holiness. Revelation chapter 5.
Let's start in verse 12. Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Revelation chapter 4 and 5 are just a glimpse into what heaven is about. Let me tell you one of the reasons why I encourage you to say amen is because I want you to be ready to use that word when you get to heaven. It's going to be part of our worship. Amen is used to extol the holiness, the greatness, and the goodness of God. You know, it's real easy when God does something special in your life to say, boy, God is good. Isn't it? I mean, when little Anna showed up, I'll bet you said God is good, didn't you? When something special happens, it's easy to say God is good. But I want to warn you, God is still good even when bad things happen. God cannot be anything but good because He is God. Sometimes we must suffer. That does not change or diminish the goodness of God. If you want to worship God, amen is a good word to use. In fact, amen, we'll touch on this in a few moments, is not only agreeing. Sometimes when uh, a preacher is preaching, oftentimes I'll say, do I get an amen on that? And you may think, and I have thought too in the past, that it's just, do you agree with what I'm preaching? Well, wait a minute, what am I preaching? God's words. Amen is an agreement with God. That what is going on is what God would have us to do, that it is in agreement with His words, and we are in agreement together. And when we say amen, what we're doing is we're offering that agreement in praise to the goodness, the holiness, the greatness of the God of heaven. It's a word that we need to use. Years ago, we had a couple of visitors come, and uh, their amens were so loud that nobody could hear the preacher preach, even with the microphone on. And uh, that's really not what the Bible's talking about. Because the amen is not to draw attention to you. It's to draw attention to God. And so, okay, ladies, it's okay to say amen. 
Just don't go, amen, brother, and then scream nice and loud. Don't do that. Because everybody's going to be staring at you. What we want people to do when we say amen is stare at God. That's why it is used here in the book of Revelation several times in worship. Let me just read a few verses here. Psalm 41, 13. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. Psalm 72, 19. And blessed be His glorious name forever and let the whole earth be filled with His glory. Amen and amen. Blessed be the Lord forevermore. Amen and amen. Psalm 89, 52. I want you to turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 6. Wait a minute. I'm sorry. I had the wrong. Oh, Nehemiah chapter 8. There we go. Verse 6. I was thinking, I guess you saith it. And boy, I was going, wow, I've got something wrong here in my notes. Verse 6. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen. With lifting up their hands, they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Now, verse 7 is the key. Also, Jeshua and Bani and Sherebiah and Jamin and Akub and uh, Shabbathai and Hoja and Masai and Kelita and uh, Azariah and Josabad and Hanan and Peliah and the Levites caused the people to understand the law. And the people stood in their place. So they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. Amen is an affirmation of God and His holiness, His greatness, His goodness in worship to God. Amen is an affirmation of God's word. If you agree with the Bible, you should say, Amen. It is a biblical use of this great word. And we need to use Amen more than we do. Amen says, I'm in agreement. Not only with what the preacher is preaching, that is secondary. It's amen with what is in the Word of God. It is amen saying God's Word is right. And when I disagree with God's Word, I am wrong. We go back to the first point. What good is it to affirm God and His holiness and His greatness if we do not obey Him and follow His Word? That's what this little word, amen, is talking about. To use this word, we've got to exercise ourselves 
and prepare ourselves to obey and live the written word of the living God. Amen? The word amen is used as a benediction, and and we could turn to many verses in the Bible. Let me just read you a few. Luke 24, 53, and they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. John 21, 25, and there were also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. Revelation Chapter 22, verses 20 and 21. He which, test, which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. You ever been in a situation you just didn't know what to say? Well, if you're in church... If you're in a situation where you're worshiping and praising God, where God's Word has anything to do with it, you never have to be without a proper biblical response. All you have to do is say, Amen. It's a good word to use. Now let's practice it. One, two, three. Mm, We're getting there. We need to work on our Amen. How do you work on your amen? Well, you go home and you get private where nobody can hear you and you shout. No, no. You work on your amen by daily living the words of the book. And guess what? It will come out automatically. The Holy Spirit of God wants you to use amen. It is a biblical response. It is the best way. When we say, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this this morning, but a lot of times when we end our prayers, we will say, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, what did we just say? We said that the prayer I just prayed would be the words that Jesus would choose if he were here praying that prayer. Isn't that a scary thought? And the second part, when we say amen to that, we're saying, I guarantee it. Now, we better be careful when we say in Jesus' name, amen. The only way we can know that it's in Jesus' name is if he wrote it down. And of a surety, I guarantee it. By the way, The word amen. Let's just review. Judgment for sin. Both hidden and public. The word amen. In extolling and worshiping God and His goodness. Amen. When we finish what we're doing and we say the benediction, all God's people said, Amen. It's a great way to end a service. But turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 1. 1 Kings chapter 1. Now, there was a problem in 1 Kings chapter 1. The nation of Israel needed direction. King David was on his deathbed. 
He was dying and everyone knew it. But David had not given specific direction as to who was to sit upon the throne. And all of a sudden, Adonijah, his eldest living son, the the next one down from Absalom, exalted himself and took to him Joab and many of the great men of the nation and said, I'll be the next king. I'm the oldest. I should have this position. The only problem was, The mighty men were not called to Adonijah's celebration. Nathan the prophet wasn't called. Solomon was definitely not called because there had already been a statement made that Solomon should be the next to sit upon the throne. There was a a lack of direction in the nation of Israel, a question And they were pleading with David as he was lying there on his bed and in that near-death situation as his body was lingering on, but his mind and everything else was, was already past the things on this earth. And they literally had to wake him up and bring him back and say, David, the king, you've got to do something. And he gave direction that Solomon should ride upon his throne on his own mule, and they should sit him upon the throne, and Zadok the priest should anoint him. In verse 30, uh, verse 36 here, And Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, who was over David's mighty men, answered the king and said, Amen. The Lord God of my king, the Lord God of my Lord the king, say so too. Amen is a word that denotes direction. David had just given what we are supposed to do. We often think of amen as just one of those special words. Here, it is almost a verb. It is an action word. Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, is saying, Amen, we're going to get this done. We're going to put Solomon on the throne. This is what God wants. It is the direction of our king. It is the direction of the Lord. And we're going to follow through. You know, this is a use of the word Amen that we often will find happening on Sunday morning during the preaching time. We get direction in the Word of God. I don't want to raise the hands here, but many of us could give testimonies. I came to church with a struggle, with a burden, and somehow in the sermon, God gave me a verse, a text. He gave me direction. You know what you should do when that happens? Submit it. Say, Amen. I've gotten the direction that I need. I need to do something. When you come forward to the altar to pray, you ought to use that word. I've gotten what I need to do. Amen. In Nehemiah chapter 5, he says, And I also shook my lap and said, So God shake out every man from his house and from his labor that performeth not this promise. 
Even thus, be he shaken out and emptied, and all the congregation said, Amen, and praised the Lord. Now, here's the key. And the people did according to the promise. Amen denotes direction. Peter uses it in a dual way here. He uses it as a benediction to his second letter. Uh, If you do not have this verse memorized, you ought to, but grow in grace. And in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. How many of you want to grow in grace? Better than raising your hand. Say, Amen. It gives us direction. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Hope you don't mind jumping around a little bit, but if we're going to study a word, the best way to do that is study the way it is used in the Scripture. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 21 and 25. Verse 21, Make you perfect in every good work to do His will, work, working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 25, Grace be with you all. Amen. How many of you have needed a little encouragement in your life from time to time? Well, guess what that little word amen is for? It's to encourage. You want to be an encouragement to your pastor while he preaches? Say amen. That tells me you're listening. That something is going on. I I often scan the crowd and I'll tell you, if, if you could see some of the things I see from up here, it would be interesting. Somebody's back there clipping their nails. And... Now, that hasn't happened here. But I've been in church where it did. They got their Bible up like this and a comic book. In, well, now, it, no, no comic book. All you need is an iPad. Just stick right in there. And you could be watching the baseball game. I knew a guy at the church I grew up in. He had one of those hearing-assisted things. They put, actually put an earbud in your ear, and it amplified the preaching. Well, the only thing was he carried in his other pocket one of them little AM transistor radios. So when the ball game was on, he could just plug the earphone into the ball game and listen to that while he was at church. Uh, all kinds of things go on. But listen, you want to encourage somebody? The Lord bless you and keep you. Amen. That's what the writer of Hebrews is saying here. The Lord accomplish His work in your life. Amen. He's trying to encourage the people who are reading this book, and that includes you and I today. And we can encourage each other. Paul says in the book of Romans... The Lord be with you. Amen. I'll tell you, there's nothing more encouraging. How many times have people called up? Say, Pastor, we're at the hospital. Pastor, this is going on. 
We're praying for you. Amen? I'll tell you, that's an encouragement, and we ought to encourage one another with those words. But I want you to turn with me to Revelation chapter 1, and we'll finish here. You see, the ultimate of everything that we have talked about is wrapped up not in a verse, but in a person. Verse 18, Jesus is speaking, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive evermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Flip over a page or so in your Bible to Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. Jesus is speaking to the Laodicean church, the lukewarm church, the disobedient church, the church that needs judgment of their personal and private sins as well as their public ones. And verse 14, it says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith thee, Amen. The faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. And it's interesting, somebody took that verse in the Jehovah's Witness cult, and they said, you see there, he was the first thing created. That's not what it's saying, my friend. He was not the first thing created. He is the source of all creation. He is the beginning of the creation of God. Don't allow somebody to read your Bible backwards to you. He is the Amen. And in Jesus Christ was not all of our sins. In fact, all of the sins of the whole world were judged in Jesus Christ. Amen? Do you agree with that today? Don't you praise Him that He took our judgment in our place so that we could be free? Is not... Everything we know about God and His goodness wrapped up in what Jesus Christ, who is God, did for us. Amen? Does Jesus give us direction for our daily living? Amen? Is He our encouragement? Amen? Everything that this word is used is wrapped up in the person and the ministry of Jesus Christ, who is the Amen. That's why it is such a fitting word to use. And by the way, He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. That's why we use that word to end things, because Jesus is both the beginning and the end. Now, those of you that have heard this sermon, I don't apologize for preaching it twice, because we need to be reminded of these things. Those that have never heard this sermon probably have some work to do 
Because the word amen is a word that is not used in the way that it should, nor as often as it should be in our hearts and in our lives. And if you're not saved here today, you must meet the amen and confess your sins and believe on him as your Lord and Savior. And he will save your soul forever. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. And Lord, this little word, interesting that it is the same in every language. We ask that you would take this word and minister to our hearts and to our souls. That we would agree with you about your word. That we would let it judge us both publicly and privately, both in, in common knowledge and in secret. Lord, we pray that we would put ourselves in a place where you could use our lives to bring glory to your name. Lord, we pray that you would allow the Holy Spirit to make us mindful of when we can use the word amen and when we should hold our peace and not utter its syllable. Lord, we pray that you would use this little word to measure our direction. That you would use this word to encourage us in obedience. To use this word to be an encouragement to others. To use this word in praise and worship of thee. Amen. We ask you to work in our midst that we may glorify thy name. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.